This episode of Converge with my guest, Starly Kine, is sponsored by Gobi Collective. Gobi is my favorite community for creative entrepreneurs on the internet. It's built from the ground up to inspire, equip, and catalyze you and your business. For more information, check out gobicollective.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things. And when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. Starly Kine may be the most curious person I've ever met. And by curious, I mean awesome. And by the most curious person I've ever met, I actually mean the most curious person I'm about to meet. That's right. The star of the breakout mega-hit podcast, Mystery Show, from the mega-hit startup media company called Gimlet, is about to be my guest in just a few seconds. We air quote met on Twitter a few weeks back, kind of serendipitously. You see, I'm a fan of Mystery Show and found a way to let her know without being too weird about it. And she was nice enough to respond. But before she will be here and before she was the host of Mystery Show, she also happened to write books and perform on the main stage at The Moth and 99U and a whole bunch of other really cool projects, including working as a producer for a little show called This American Life with Ira Glass. Now, speaking of Ira, Mystery Show shares an even more recent connection to his show. It debuted at number two, that is, Mystery Show did, in iTunes their very first week right behind This American Life. Totally cool. Then they made it to number one, only then to be knocked back down to two by Stephen Colbert. Great company. It turns out that within its first month, Mystery Show has half a million unique listeners and is going at a rate of a million listeners in its first month. Now that's all fun, but how can I be sure, I mean really sure, that Starly is the most curious person I've ever slash am about to meet? Well, I think the obvious tell to her curiosity in this is in the way she pulls listeners like you and me in almost irresistibly. Take a listen. When I was a kid, my little sister and I found an old safe in our grandparents' garage. This was in Palm Springs, California. So picture palm trees, swimming pools, desert heat so hot you can see it swirling in the air. The safe was freestanding, taller than my sister. We spent the afternoon pressing a plastic stethoscope from a toy medical kit against his door, listening to the clicks, trying to crack the code. My grandmother couldn't remember what was inside, but we felt confident it was valuable. Probably a pouch of diamonds that she'd forgotten about, or a treasure map that would lead us to the pouch of diamonds. It grew dark. We kept at it. Our mom brought us out grilled cheese sandwiches, flashlights, and sweaters. Click, click, click. We were sure we were making progress, but the door wouldn't budge. Finally, our grandmother came out waving a scrap of paper. She'd found the combination. With pounding hearts, my sister and I took turns rotating the dial. First I did a number, then her, and then back to me. Our whole lives are about to change. Our mom would come searching for us and we'd have to say, Mom, Mom, we're right here. You just don't recognize us now that we have all the answers. 
We reached the end of the paper. Together, we grabbed hold of the handle and turned. We could barely breathe. We felt the lock catch. We peered inside and saw nothing. Nothing. Not one single thing. Someone had gotten there first. Did you hear it? The intrigue, the story, the progression, the guts, the lisp, but the curiosity. I mean, she's the whole curious package. And as one curious lisp person to another, I assert to you that we all would benefit from being more curious. You too. But to leverage curious, we need to be true to curious. I mean, really true. And if you are, and if I am, we might just get a shot at being awesome. And Starly Kine, she's true and curious and awesome. And you, my friends, and me too, are in for a treat. I just know it. I just don't like to be bored. And the way you don't bored is by like asking people about like really about themselves and what they care about. And what, you know, what makes their hearts beat. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. Starly Kine, welcome to Converge. <laughs> Hi. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I'm a little bit <laughs> excited that we're having a conversation. We met through Twitter, for goodness sakes. People... We did, it's true. And my guess is I'm not the only person that wrote to you on Twitter in these last few weeks. Uh, no, yeah, my my Twitter's really been blowing up. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um, people are being very, very, very nice. Well, that's that's good news because they're not always very nice on the Twitter. I guess they're not, but to me, they're being they're being really nice, and I and I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It's been um, touching to see. Well, uh, you're a cultural phenomenon. A lot of really good <laughs> stuff happened since you joined Gimlet, and I'm wondering for folks who are new to the Gimlet story. I mean, maybe they saw startup or listened to startup last year, or they got into Reply All, or maybe they just dropped into Mystery Show for the first time, but tell a little bit of the story of uh, your relationship with Gimlet and how you came on board. I came on board because I know Alex. I've known Alex for a long time. We worked together at This American Life. We worked together. When I, start, when I first started working there, he was there. And then before he started it, I, I knew he was starting it. And I had this idea for Mystery Show. For me, what I wanted was I wanted to have him as an editor. That was the most important part to me than anything else. And Gimlet didn't exist yet. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted the structure of, of working with someone that I trusted that would help me make the show good. But that was what I was, the main thing I was after was just someone that I really trusted that would help me make it good. And then Gimlet started, and then I, and then it became a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he, uh, but he believed in it before it was, you know, he just like, he, he, he understood it. So I'm so curious, and I know, I know I'm speaking for a lot of folks who are fans of mm-hmm. these long form, longer form narrative, all inspired by Ira and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I gotta wonder the move from the nonprofit world to the for-profit world that mm-hmm. that Alex took, and it seems like there's like this this kind of like everyone's jealous and angry at the same time. Maybe maybe that's not true. <laughs> maybe it's totally made up. I have no idea. But it, it just strikes me as a, a really bold move, not only on Alex's part, but the whole, like his partner and the, you know, all you guys um, on the team. It just strikes me as a bold new world that you guys are all jumping into. 
but is that true? Like, is that the kind of vibe that you guys experienced on the inside? The which part? The the bold new world part, or the jealous but also excited? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm guessing a lot of people are pitching Alex. Uh, uh, like, how can I get a show uh, like Starly got? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I I'm not. I guess I feel like I'm not part. Of, I think. I think what's really exciting is that it feels like a lot of people that we've known for a long time are like start slowly coming to work for Gimlet in different capacities. Like one by one, people are just joining it. And I feel like maybe, I don't know how the public radio system as a whole is feeling. There's definitely like a lot of public radio people coming in, Mm -hmm. but also like Alex is so likable Mm -hmm. that I feel like it's always, if anyone's going to be doing this, you want it to be Alex because I feel like people can't stay can't stay um, mad at him for very long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is funny to, uh, again, as a primarily consumer who's trying to get into the conversation just from my own little podcast uh, and watching a lot of things. Like I've watched Alex do, he did this uh, Creative Live course that he used to teach at Columbia uh, mm-hmm. that, that I watched. It was really fantastic on really story building. And to watch a lot of, it seems like cross-pollination, like it, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be like the Radiotopia guys or whether it be or people, not guys, uh, or just all the different uh, ways that people are promoting across the board. It's almost like everyone gets that this is a golden moment for the resurgence of really excellently produced content. Um, yeah. But it, I'm, it's amazing. As I'm a photographer by trade, but watching the radio people by trade, it seems so supportive. Um, it's, it's shocking. I mean, it just it's, it's a pretty amazing thing to watch. Yeah, I think that is true. I do think... Um... I do think radio people, in my experience, have been very supportive of each other, and I do think that is maybe different than other fields. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure, but I do, I, I, I feel like in general, people are. Um, maybe that's going to change. Maybe this like podcast versus radio will become. Uh, well, I, I saw on like maybe, maybe it'll all turn into West Side Story. I feel like someone, someone, this a writer I know named. I have to give credit for that joke to this writer I know named John Moalam. He actually made that joke the other day, like about actually about Radiotopia and Gimlet doing a West Side Story. Uh-huh. But what I've noticed, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But what I noticed, and with our shotgun mics, he said we could all like be fighting. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, I, I, but I've noticed, like, I feel like I, these, like, um, like public radio people are tweeting about my show and I find that really great. Like Peter Sagel did this really amazing tweet about it and John Moe from the show Wits. And I find that really, uh, and Elise Spiegel, like, I just find it, it's really nice when the radio people are supporting the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, I mean, there's no reason not to, I feel like it is just making it more for, more for everyone. Mm-hmm. Well, can we go back just a little bit? I want to, the folks that are listening to the show, there are people who make things and want to make something from those things. So sometimes it's they want to make money because they're entrepreneurs. Sometimes they want to make documentaries because they want to, you know, change people's opinions on things. Um, it could be a whole spectrum of different mediums of creativity. But what I think they all share are a couple sets of conversations. Like, for example, one thing that I'm really struck by is how many, like, you've spent a lot of energy getting to this moment. And if people are getting introduced to you for the first time through Mystery Show, they might not really get, you know, straight out of NYU, uh, intern, intern, like really, like the like kind of mm-hmm. just begging to get in the door kind of thing, and then have that just a couple of years turn into a producer job at at right now looks like the biggest, you know, the Godfather of public radio. It feels like is Ira, but that's that's not true either. But I gotta believe that. Yeah that folks who are watching and have access to modern day technology 
just might be tempted to go like, oh, I should be where Starly is in like, you know, about nine months. It, should, it shouldn't be too hard. <laughs> but you, you've really paid your dues. And that idea of paying your dues, but in particular in a moment where it seems like the curve to, to learning some of these skills is, is shrinking or getting a little different. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how mm-hmm. you, when you're talking to folks that are just getting started, how do you talk with them? Like, do you see them as like, oh, um, like they could, they could move faster than maybe folks who had to pay dues in, in a different era or, uh, or should they really be thinking like, I need to pay my dues right now because it's just going to take a while to get good. I feel like it's less about paying your dues. Like, I don't think it's so much about like, you have to be able, you have to have had two to three years experience this in this, in this position and one to three years experience in that position. It, but it's more about, there's certain things that you can only learn by putting in the time. You know, like I wouldn't know how to do any of this if I hadn't worked at This American Life. There's just no way. Like I learned all of it from there. And and Alex, I've noticed the difference. We've noticed the difference in in people who have who have worked at This American Life or even who have interned at This American Life. Like how much more you learn so much. There's so much teaching that goes on there, I guess. Like there's, it's a real like educational place. Yeah. And um, that... That I feel like is what is important. Like you don't need to, you don't need to put in your time and slog through someplace you don't want to be or, you know, but you have to, you have to learn stuff. Right. And, uh, I feel like, I hope there's, I want there to be more places to learn how to do stuff. Hmm. Cause I feel like that is, that's how things get good. And that's how, and that's, it's, it's great that there's all these, it's great what's happening with podcasts but I feel like it's a little imbalance in terms of the ratio because you can just like have a mic and make a podcast versus the ratio of places to learn, learn stuff about how to do it or even strengthen your own voice and your own style. Mm -hmm. And that would be great to figure out how to, like, I feel like we, at Gimlet, we do this, we, Alex does radio class every Friday Hmm. and he teaches, like he does these classes for everyone here. And then, and then we've been having like, outside speakers come in or like, and then also we have outside students, like people who make podcasts come in and sit on them. No kidding. And yeah. And I, it's just, I feel like because we both understood, we understand how important it is because of how much we learned at this American life. Yeah. Undeniably. So that's fascinating. So it's almost like internal yeah. professional development. Yeah. Cause we just, it just, it's just striking how it's just striking the stuff that we were explicitly taught that I feel like you don't, you wouldn't get taught otherwise. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of like what Ro- Rob Rosenthal does with that transom thing he does out on the East Coast. Assault. Uh, uh, yeah, where he pulls everybody in for it seems like a really long time. That style is really more journalistic reporting and storytelling that way. But it is is the Friday learning sessions primarily about tone and voice and storytelling, or is it is it something else? They're different ones. Like they'll be like how to read voice tracks one week, how to do scoring, how to structure an interview how to um, like build a moment in tape. Like he, like they're really focused and they're like an hour every Friday. And there's a lot to, there's a lot to teach. Have there been, like I feel like, go yeah, ahead. no, you go ahead. So I just feel like if we had, if we had more, like I would have been doing that, like there's just not enough time to be doing it all the time here, but I feel like it's a really, really important part of it. Have there been any surprises for you since you've come on board with Gimlet? Well, I mean, it's what's so funny about Gimlet is, you know, Alex had this idea and I was always supportive of, you know, when he told me he wanted 
to make this podcasting company. I was like, of course, if anyone can pull it off, it's Alex. Like I never, ever doubted his ability to make good shows. It's, it's just amazing to see someone have an idea that hits exactly the right time. Yeah. Well, it's funny when I, as a consumer of, of the stuff, one of the ways, like a lot, like this is an interview show, right? And I, I interview a lot of folks and the way I describe it to my friends who don't necessarily listen to podcasts is that there's this kind of ecosystem of podcasting and, and it seems like the podcast world, non-radio podcast world is just littered with, littered is too negative a word, but a phrase, but, <laughs> but like there's just a lot of interview shows, right? Like we all have this kind of, I want to be a little like Krista Tippett or Charlie Rose or, you know, whoever. And that's if you're on the kind of the public radio side of things, or you want to just like have these kinds of long form interview style that, that aren't. Uh, maybe a little less thoughtful, a little bit kind of formulaic, but the introduction of Serial, that felt more like, you know, breaking bad, breaking into the radio world. Like it, mm-hmm. it just felt like such a more, the episodic approach. And then, and it just felt like it gave permission, them and, and startup really gave permission for a lot of, uh, a whole new kind of way of creating content. But there's still, a, it's a, it's, there's a reason why there's so many interview shows because it's a lot easier to do those than it is to do what you guys are doing. And especially with your show, I mean, you, the content of Mystery Show, I can't imagine how much effort it takes to get a show out every week at that at that level of production. Talk a little bit about about what you got yourself into with this particular kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really. Um, I mean, I knew I just wanted to be very strict about the, the guidelines, the parameters, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be hard. I mean, it was appealing to me that it was going to be hard. I wanted it to be hard, um, and it is hard. <laughs> but um, I, I was looking for a show that was, I wanted to do something different, you know, and so, like, I was always think, trying to think of an idea that was different enough and interested me in a sustainable way. And part of the idea of it being interesting to me was the level, the challenge of it. And so, yeah, it's definitely a lot of, because there's, I have to, not only do I have to do I write all the episodes, I do most of the technical stuff on it, and I have to solve them. Hmm. Oh, that little part. So, yeah. <laughs> are you yeah. are you nervous you're going to get into a mystery that you can't solve? Uh, yeah, of course. But um, then I wouldn't. But I wouldn't put yeah, it out. That's right. Wouldn't make the show. Got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's going to have to be. I think there has to be a built into the process is the is the fact that there won't all of them won't be able to be aired. I wanted to ask you about the show itself is the music. So like you mentioned a minute ago that you have a hand in a lot and all these pieces and mm-hmm. it seems like your choice of music on the front end as well as the back end really frames it. And as a, again, as a listener, it felt like the intro of the mystery show song at the beginning that I don't know how you discovered, but um, it seems to be asking like, what does it all mean? Like, where is there meaning in life or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then the end of it, it just seems like so hopeful, like follow, mm-hmm. follow the, the questions wherever they take you and you're going to find kind of some, great place at the end of it um mm-hmm. is, there, is that some of the intention behind it or how, how did you pick the music yeah i do think it's, it's i mean so the opening song was recommended to me by my by my friend david zellner he's a filmmaker great filmmaker his brother making these great movies the zellner brothers and um he recommended it and the second i heard it it felt so right like i just i heard it and it 
it was like it, it, it had this sensibility to it that I was like, that I wouldn't even have known how to articulate. But as soon as I felt it, I was like, yes, this is what I'm going for. Uh, the closing song is by my friend, Emmy the Great. And she wrote that. We had a conversation kind of about the feel of the show. And then she just wrote that. And it was just perfect. She just handed it to me perfect. And I do think it's like, I do think it embodies, I think it's a really good way of putting it. I do think it embodies both those songs embody both sides of what I'm going for. Cause I want, I want the show to feel mysterious and dark and intriguing. And, and I'm not all, I'm not like a cheerful person, you know, but I do feel that I do feel like the more, especially the more I do this show, like when I talk to people, they just give me so much hope. They're so, they're so interesting. It starts with a mystery. And then as you start to unpack the mystery, you just uncover all these people being so great. By the end of the episode, you are feeling, I mean, I don't know if you are, but you hopefully you are. And then you're at that song and it's all about open the door and then you get, and you, and, and you get to see like both of them are supposed to present the idea that there's mystery everywhere. Right. Hmm. But it's two different kinds of mysteries that you're left feeling from the beginning of the show and at the end. So I don't know. That's, that's, I'm glad it's coming across. That's a good way of, and I, it was interesting cause I wasn't sure I was really excited about the idea of getting to of putting in two theme songs, mm-hmm. you know, cause at first I was like, can you do that? Is that allowed? <laughs> and then when you, like, the great thing about having your own show is you're like, yeah, it's, I can do whatever, I can do whatever I want. Let's, let's just try it. And then it works. I think it works. I think it works. So, okay. So really quick uh, about, about your yeah. pers- personality, like, uh, yeah. it's hard. It feels like the number one thing that you have everywhere you go all the time is curiosity. Like, it just seems like that's your mantra. Like I want to be curious about that. Cause even your sidebar conversations with subplot players, often mm-hmm. are the most interesting kind of twists in your storytelling. How important is curiosity in what you do? Um, I think it's proving to be very important. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like, it's funny because I, I feel like it's being pointed out and and it's, it's weird to talk about myself, but I, it's, it wasn't like I was thinking going into it like, oh, I'll use curiosity as a device. Right. It's just like naturally, like I just, I don't know how to have conversations any other way. Like to me, it doesn't make, it's not even, a lot of these conversations that you hear, I don't go into them thinking, oh, this is going to turn into something, you know? Yeah. But I, 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 I don't know how, what other, what conversations are supposed to be, are supposed to be like otherwise. Um, and so yes, I, I guess it's turning out that I am curious I just don't like to be bored. Mm. And the way you don't bored is by like asking people about like really about themselves and what they care about mm. and what's, you know, what makes their hearts beat and stuff. And, and I feel, uh, that, so that, and that's what you're hearing, mm. but it is, gen- it's very, it is what I am interested in, most interested in. So, so when you, given that as a come from just last question, when mm-hmm. you, when you get into conversations with folks or even right now, like you're in a conversation with me, but also to folks that are listening and I can hear them in my head. They're asking the question, what would, what would Starley say to me? Like, what, what advice, would she, <laughs> what, what would she give me in my situation? And obviously it can't be specific because there's so many people, you know, hopefully, but um, <laughs> that like, what is the general, what is general mantra or advice or, or goodwill that you would hope on people who are trying to make something out of what they make? If out of anything, not just, like not just anything. Yeah. Anything, I would, anything. I mean, I would say. Make sure it's something you're actually interested in, like something that doesn't bore you, but not not the thing that you think is going to be the thing that people like, you know, like it actually has to, I think you have to have a general drive to want to do it. Why why is that? Is that because it won't be be sincere? It won't feel authentic or? 
Yeah, I think it will feel sincere, and I just feel like I don't know. Maybe people are different than me, but I, 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 I feel like you have to be genuinely interested in order to be consumed by it. Yeah. Like, how could you? How could you? Like, I couldn't imagine doing this if I wasn't genuine. I, 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 I never do anything I'm not interested in. That's the thing is, like, I actually have, I think it's why I have a relatively small body of work because I, like, can't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do something I don't care about. And so, but, but it also, but it does help in terms of focus because when you do, when you do care about something, you can get really into it and you can, and it just, it makes the ideas start to come and it makes you, your, your, your mind starts making connections that you weren't aware of otherwise. And I feel like it's all, it, it comes from this place of genuine interest. And then the other thing is like, I don't know, I feel like I'm big on psyching myself out. And so I feel like just, just make sure this is advice I've given before, but like, don't like, just get it out of your head somehow. Hmm. Like, figure out a way to turn it into something and let it be a bad thing at first. And so, and, like, the way I think you can tell, I think they're actually tied together. I think the way you can tell if you actually care about something is if you have this idea and you haven't done anything about it, but you keep thinking about it. And, like, you keep, like, I had this idea for this show a long time ago. And, like, I kept coming back to it. Like, I had to, it was several years ago that I had this idea for this show. And, um, and I knew I wanted to do it because... I never got, I, I never let it go. You know, I didn't do any, I didn't, there was, there was like all these, there was all this time that passed that I didn't do any, I didn't make it, but I always in my head just had it in there. And I feel like if you have an idea that you just keep coming back to, that means that you care about it and you just have to figure out a way to get it out of your head. And I know that sounds kind of self-helpy, but I don't, I only, I don't like self-help. So it's not, I don't mean it in a self-help way. I just feel like it just, that's the most important thing I can do. I can say is, just figure out a way to get it out. This was episode 050 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. GobyCollective.com is our new home for all things Converge. There you'll find past episodes as well as Go, the unconference for creatives looking to grow their business, as well as Factor Mind Coaching, business coaching every entrepreneur can afford, and much, much more. Want to join the collective? Check out GobyCollective.com. Music today provided by TripleSkinMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. Thanks to Anna Quaza at acreative.co for her audio production. And a special thanks to Starly for being with us. If you want to check out her show, just go on any of the podcasting listening devices you like or software you like and search for Mystery Show. You won't be disappointed. Finally, if you haven't shared an episode of Converge with a friend, would you? Think of one person right now who you think would benefit from my conversations with folks like Starly or Seth or Chris or Ann or Ryan or many, many others and invite them to join in. You caring enough to do that sort of thing is a nod to us that we're doing something right. And like leaving those reviews on iTunes, we see you. Thank you. It's a really big deal. So again, thanks a lot. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders. I cannot wait until next time. <laughs>